Ben's 300 yards to unknown. I'm Rick Game, and that right there, Eric Patterson at EPAC Golf. Big week for golf. Big week for Eric. Hey, buddy, what's going on? Rick, uh, seven minutes, uh, seven minutes away from the first tee ball of 2021, which is pretty crazy to say. I'm excited. Uh, this is a good time of the year. There Tournament you go. of so champions. We- everyone's there. All the all the big names, even some non-winners. It's a it's good. It's a good tournament to start the year off with. Yes, we are recording this Thursday, January 7th, 2.03 p.m. Eastern Time, seven minutes from Hudson Swafford and Martin Laird. Uh, the the, the, pair, the first duo? The pairing of the century going out in the first tee shots of the new decade, Eric. Could we have any book for this? Quick, uh, quick uh, trivia. What tournaments did Swafford and Laird win to get into it? Laird won Shriners. It just happened. Uh, okay, Swafford won a tropical one it was either bermuda bermuda or punta cana and i'm gonna go with shit punta cana yeah you're right i knew i knew who i knew who won bermuda so when i asked the question i actually kind of forgot what swafford right, hold on let's yeah. keep going uh, let's keep going the next pairing is stewart sink and robert streb streb won rsm yeah sink sink he won in this ball swing too yeah he did uh, running out of options. Safeway. 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 All right, yeah, here we go. Yeah. Brian Gay and Sergio Garcia. Well, Gay Bermuda and Garcia uh, Sanderson Farms. Okay, Michael Thompson, Andrew Landry. So I actually just looked up what Landry won. So I know that he took I down know the, the American uh, Express. Desert, yeah, the, yeah. Was it the Desert Classic? I don't. It always has a different. It's called name. the American Express now. Yeah, and then um. Thompson. Who's the other guy? Thompson. I know this one. 3M open. Correct. Okay, this one I I can guess at. Uh Taylor and Carlos Ortiz. Carlos Ortiz just won. That was Houston. Uh, and Nick Taylor was Pebble. Okay, Pebble Beach. That was gonna be my get confident in it. Adam Scott, Jason Kokrak. Kokrak, CJ Cup, Scott Genesis. Yeah, this is riveting. Uh Patrick can't okay. Here you go. Patrick can't let I, I should be able to get them all. I think I should be able to get them all. Cantley was Zozo. Yeah. Warinsky, Barracuda. Leishman and Horschel. Horschel didn't win. Right. He's a tour champ guy. And uh, Leish was Farmers. They asked, so before we keep going, they asked, they were asking guys like uh, how they thought, how they felt about, you know, letting the non winners in. Mm-hmm. And uh, JT's like, well, it's called the tournament champions for a reason. You got to be a champion to be here. This is obviously a off year. Xander said the same thing. A guy who didn't win. Yeah, <laughs> I shouldn't really be here, but I'm going to take advantage. And then Billy Horschel comes out and goes, you know, I really think they should uh, expand, expand mm. it to the tour championship because it's uh, to you know, it's a t- it's tough to get to the to East Lake. So I think those guys deserve a spot. And I was like, well, I wonder if Billy won last year or not. Interesting set of takes uh, on those. All right, let's get let's do a couple more. Let's just see. Uh, Kevin Na Neiman. Neiman. I don't think he won. Wow. I think he's a tour champ guy. Yeah, he must be. No, because he won military was, tribute, which was like that was two years 2019. ago. 2019. Yeah. Yeah. It was last season, but not last year, two years ago. Um right. Who was so the other guy? Kevin Na. Na didn't win either. He Maybe. didn't win, but he made it to the top 30. He had but to have because won. he won in 2019, right? Like, so th- that would have got you into the tour championship for 2020 
but you oh, didn't necessarily saying, need to have a good year. He he. Well, hold on. No, he won no. Shriners in 2019. Right. Yeah. So that gets you. That would get you to the 2020 Tour Championship, but not necessarily mean you have a good 2020. But he did. Yeah. Okay. So he made it to the, he that he made it to the Tour Championship. That's how he got it. Yeah. All right. We'll stop. That's where we got it. Um, <laughs> there's a lot Eric, of guys who didn't win. Yeah. There's a lot of them. Eric Patterson. First of all, Happy New Year! And to kick off the new year, my friend, you have launched the Quick Nine. Which, let me tell you, and I will describe people on what this is, but. I've read the first edition. I love it, and I can't wait to see where it goes. So, so describe to the world what is going on here. It means a lot that you said that. Um, basically, I just wanted to... I spent a ton of time on Twitter, maybe too much, probably too much, uh, taking a lot of golf, but I really didn't think there was somewhere that just kind of parceled it all together in like a complete one package. Like For me, this is what I find interesting, the top nine tidbits, pieces of information, stats, videos, whatever it might be, storylines, news, opinions. Um, and just uh, it's going to be two times a week right now, Wednesdays, Mondays and Wednesdays. Um, the next one will be Monday, just kind of recapping the week. And then Wednesday will more be like the news and then looking at what the week, the week to come. So, yeah, um, this complements my work at the score. Maybe it'll branch. It might transition into a full article at the score but for now it's just a newsletter um something i'm kind of a little pet project for me but i'm excited about it well i was gonna ask i mean and and uh, so I, I love this because i see the vision of what this could look like in a year two years whatever i mean d does this have to be associated with the score or this is just eric Pat i mean it doesn't have to be but obviously okay. the score would have more viewers than i would have to begin with on my for Twitter now feed, so. for now yeah for now so um who knows? I like I just like having to be able to kind of freewheel it, uh, throw in my old my take here and here and there, maybe get a little controversial. I could turn up the spice meter a little bit uh, on some of them, depending on the topic. So I'm excited to see where it goes. Here's what I can't wait. This thing grows. It's got like hundreds of thousands of subscribers. <laughs> Everyone loves it twice a week. And one week you sell out. And number five is like John Rahm's new equipment. And it's just a Callaway ad. And everyone scorches you on Twitter. That's the moment that you need it. You sell out of these spots i cannot wait for it. it's gonna be awesome <laughs> i'm trying not to i'll try to avoid like uh sponsorship uh sellout no, get your money bro do it get your money no, I'm, i will we'll keep it for what it is right now just uh yeah me freewheeling nine things twice a week keep you in the loop uh, uh just a couple of these things we one of these we're going to talk about the one was the most for me this and 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 you have it in here great is patrick reed is now rocking g4 gear as so, opposed to the thing to me. So yeah, he's out at Nike and apparently he's, uh, this is from Riggs at Barstool. He's apparently not signed with G4, which I find extremely odd because he's got like the Hublot, I don't know really how to pronounce Hublo. it. And then he's got uh, Grindworks on his chest. So like he's buying these shirts off the rack and then stitching them in, which someone yeah. said, you know, Justine's got a printing press at home and she just kind of <laughs> pastes them on. It could be, but yeah, G4 and Patrick Reed is a perfect... Uh, match made in heaven i was gonna say i don't believe like yeah i don't believe that he's buying them off the rack or whatever but so it would almost make because these two things don't go together that they're like we don't sponsor this guy he's just like grabbing stuff off the rack like i don't know this is just such a strange look for me and he's got this little smirk on his face in this photo that you have it cracks me up <laughs> did you see the the tumbler that they sell it says uh, it's like 
golf hates me is what you you could buy it off the g4 website tron car from no lang i'll put up yeah so yeah you can buy a tumblr that says golf hates me and it's pretty much exactly what patrick reed is all about you know the skull the skull and crossbones they have another one they have a hat that says uh country club misfit which i think reed (laughs) should just wear for the entire season it's so good um I like that I can add those pictures in there. See how I did that? This yeah, little, we're using new, using new little stream, stream little site here. It's pretty slick. Allows me to do some cool stuff. Um, and then, okay, I want to talk about this one because I uh, tweeted this out and it uh, got way more popular than I thought it was going to get. This is the Bryson DeChambeau doing the... Can I play this in here? I no, I won't play it there, unfortunately. Here it is. Bryson uh, doing which... Okay, I have a lot to say about this, and this has kind of been covered a little bit, but let's assume he's blocking the wind. Okay, let's assume that. Is that fair? It's got to be what it is. Okay. Uh, wouldn't it be a lot easier for the guy in the umbrella just to stand on the other side of the tee and hold the... Why does he have to follow oh, along the ball? There's, like, there's science. Because if, if you have the umbrella too far, the wind will wrap around the umbrella and then create like a, a jet stream. It's a four-foot putt. <laughs> It's not going to oh, work like You know, that. Bryson thought about that. It creates like some, whatever, turbulence or something behind that umbrella that would disrupt the, uh, he needs like a no wind zone right in front of the ball. So, so not only is it a weird thing to do, I don't think it's a very efficient way to block the wind. That's what I'm saying. I mean, just don't punt into the wind. Like what, I don't, I don't quite get the, uh, what he's trying to calibrate there. <sighs> just go to your, I guess. Like, yeah. He's, he's trying to figure out the green speeds, but just wait until the wind dies down. The other thing is, the other thing is, I knew launch monitors were awesome technology. Are you telling me that it can pick up putts like this, or is it just sitting there for some other reason? No, it's definitely uh, Bryson's actually. um, He's responded to like they asked him what's wrong with his putting. Is it the speed or is it the line? And he said it's the launch, which (sighs) Bryson studies like the you know, the degrees of launch and spin right off the putter face. So he's, he's breaking it down by uh, numbers we wouldn't even think about. Yeah. So he's, and that's, he's that's in the lab his, early in 2021. That's why his putter uh, is sick. Seek. I don't know how you say it. Seek maybe. Um, sick. Uh, it has that. It, it has, it's at the face on the, the loft on the face is dynamic, but it like goes from four degrees to one degree from like the top or the bottom or whatever. So if you hit it with like a descending blow, it has more loft and you've it, been and watching golf channel, haven't you? Unfortunately. Yeah. So my new office setup now I have a TV right there. So like if I just look oh, straight ahead, nice. so it's actually like a gift and a curse that I just have gone on mute. all. Day. There's some stuff that that's how I got this. There was some stuff that comes across golf channel that I'm like, what in the world is happening right now? <laughs> I, I was the same. And I, I looked up the other day and they were trying to sell me on a driver that has like, a weird triangle face to it and they call it like they're showing off this like long drive hitter for, and it looked like it was from like 1985 or something because it is like, what's going on here that that infomercial used to run 15 years ago that's all a the guys are in the baggy clothes like pleated pants like it looks like straight from like early 1990s and i'm like it's 2021 what am i watching right now i don't know what the club is called the guy has a horrible swing and i'm pretty sure his long drives were like 350 it's not even <laughs> Not yeah, even they're like not, they're not as long anymore. Um, that that is old. That's an old infomercial. That I guess that company has revived itself, and now they're running it back again. Now the distance, now the distance is important again. Also, I used to own. Do you remember this? Um, there used to be an infomercial that was on all the time. It was for the Perfect Club. 
Do you remember? I heard this? about the Perfect Club. Never owned it, but I heard about it. I used to live and die by the Perfect Club. What was uh, it? It was basically a seven wood. It was okay. like a seven wood I with like a seven iron left length. Seven wood with a seven iron length. Okay. So it was like short and like easy to hit, but had like a wood to hybrid. Did you get a full set of perfect clubs or just one club? You just use the whole round. So glad you asked. So my dad and I both had this perfect club and then they, so it was just the one club that they released and the infomercial was phenomenal, dude. They used it everywhere. They used it green side. You could chip with it. They used it out of the fairway bunkers off the tee, whatever you wanted. This was the perfect club. And then they came out with a, a uh, graphite shaft version of it, which we obviously picked up one of those. And then they started to go into then they got too 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 big for their britches. They got too excited. They went for the perfect driver. Nah, nah not gonna happen. They had a perfect spoon. I think it was called a perfect spoon. I'm gonna look this up. It was they like the cutlery. It was like the perfect spoon golf club. It was for like shorter shots, I guess. Yeah, 15 degree. Here we go. 15 degree golf club. Oh my god! You I'm can buy second. Think spoon. about all those infomercials that have run on Golf Channel, and some guy somewhere in the world has all of them just lined up. His whole <laughs> bag is just. I'll tell you where it is. It's my, it's my dad's neighbor. Uh, so, so my parents live in this like 55 plus community. They're like the youngest people there. And it has like a, uh, like 27 holes. And literally I've played over there with those guys. It, their bag is full of late night infomercial, the square strike. Um, I'm trying to think what else is, what is out there right now, but the like, there's like the med, you know, the club yeah. that like you warm up with and it, it breaks. If you're out of play, my dad had one of those. My too. dad has that too. Yeah. <laughs> It's literally like it's amazing, and these guys they buy them all. So I guess it's working. Obviously, it's working. We watch Golf Channel way too much. That's what's the comes. That's what it all comes down to here. It's it's really bad. Um, speaking of clubs, the number two player in the world leaves TaylorMade, goes to Callaway. I've argued this is both a story and a non-story. I actually like more that he's wearing Travis Matthew now, which I think is a cool looking brand for him. Uh, but. He- did you see that picture I tweeted of him in the practice round? Though he hasn't figured out his fashion yet. I don't know. No, he's getting his his Callaway hats are too new. That's the issue. His Callaway hats, the oh. beak is just like dead straight. Looks like he could be playing center field. For, oh, you know, I see it. Hold it on, just, it doesn't up. fit his his face. And then he's got oh. Jordans on, which is not Travis Matthews. So I'm kind of confused actually what shoe brand he's going to be wearing. Look for for John Rom right here. Yeah, he just does. And someone looks, you know, uh, if you scroll down on the, someone says that's Marcus Armitage, which is a European tour player who kind of looks exactly like Rom right now, oh which God. I found. Is, Does, is his sticker still on that hat or is that a. It, it probably is. You got to keep it authentic. I mean, he just got it like they handed it to him right but before the. He cut. also is, he also is using a tailor made putter there too. So he hasn't gone a complete. Uh, Okay. Callaway switch. Yeah, that's the spider or the mini spider or whatever, right? Yeah, their new one. Um, but yeah, uh, number two player in the world switches clubs. It's it's definitely a story. I think it has to be, right? But I yeah. think it's a story for different reasons. Like, I don't think he's trying to get better by switching to Callaway because he got the number one in the world with TaylorMade. So how much I think he could be the number one player with any of the yeah. five of like five major brands clubs. Right. Yeah, I don't think I don't like he's so good. It's there might be an adjustment period. You know, maybe it's a risk for this year to trying to get get used to them or or whatever, used to the new ball. But I mean, I I looked up what uh, Taylor made's paying Rory, and I saw it was like ten million a year. So if Rom's getting in that ballpark, that's 
some nice money you're just kind of guaranteeing yourself regardless of the results you're just that's the banking that money it's it's why justin rose was the number one player in the world and said oh i'll i'll go play hanma it's because uh guaranteed cash money doesn't matter if you miss the cut every single week. we'll we'll get to a point in golf at some point where these guys are guaranteed payouts every single week or at least some portion of it but uh, yeah, think about that. Think about if you go through a rough stretch, a couple of bad years. I mean, you could just guarantee. I mean, ten million bucks a year for Rory every year, almost. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. That's more than he makes on the course, unless he wins the FedEx Cup or something like that. Pretty much. Like, so, like, you could argue, oh, he's his results might take a bit of a step back for like a couple months, half a year. But I mean, in the end, and in the grand scheme of things, he's he's cashing in. Um, and, uh, yeah, he'll figure it out eventually. He's John Rom. Right. And I always think it's hilarious when, uh, people try to use the club thing as like a, a reason or to, or against, um, like rostering him or, or betting on him, which is like, okay, he's not picking these up for the first time Thursday morning, right? Like right now, as he's going out in Hawaii, like it's not the first time he's ever seen these clubs. Like obviously he's been getting dialed in for the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think the ball maybe in the wind is going to be something that he's, I don't know. These guys are so fine-tuned that like 500 RPM, 1,000 RPM, a spin difference, what they're used to or what they, you know, they picture their ball flight in a certain window and the wind picks up and moves it. They're just not used to it. Maybe it reacts a little differently, but I think that is reading into it a little too much. I just, there is a bit of a risk, I think, that he might, you know, take a couple a couple weeks, a month to to really figure it out, to tweak some things, so... Um, I, for the long season, for like the, you know, for the entire right. year, no issue, but maybe this week when he gets windy, I don't know, maybe he starts tinkering with things. I it just, maybe it's not perfect. Like it was maybe with Taylor made, but, um, I don't know. I think they just uh, really good players cashing in and he'll figure it out with regardless of what clubs he has. Um, did you see Xander's just been spending time playing call of duty? Like the well, last he had COVID. So yeah, yeah this is, uh, <laughs> They 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 asked him if he's like you know reading books or anything. He's nah. I just sit at sit at home and and play uh, PlayStation. So it's good to know that uh, he shares a lot of com- commonalities with a lot of people. He said, uh, "I have two books that I looked at." <laughs> he <laughs> thought about it, but he didn't say he read fired up on Call of Duty that I had to jump in. I have, I have, uh, like, I have two books I looked at. Too. I've got like books in in the background of like shots and stuff that I'm like, I should really read these at some point before I put them back here. But if they ask you when you're on camera. Yeah, I'm like these are great. They're great books. I highly endorse them. Blah blah blah. Yeah, uh, I think Xander's been posted up. I he'll he'll be fine. I, I don't think he it does. It did sound like he was a little worried he might not get like the walk at Kapalua is pretty it's tough. treacherous. So if he's not 100 fit level, then it, I don't know. Maybe come Sunday it wears on him a little bit, but I I think he'll be completely fine. Yeah, it's uh, it is not a necessarily an easy walk. All that elevation change at Kapalua. My buddy got married at Kapalua. It's a nice uh, spot. I went to Hawaii once, the Maui awesome. once. Never got up to Kapalua, but man, like this is actually the, it's a good and a bad time of the year. Like here in Toronto, it's freezing. Like there's no, I, for me, golf is so far away. Playing around a golf is so far away, but to watch them in Hawaii, you know, ocean, uh, JT was like suntanning earlier or yesterday. I'm just like, these guys are living such a nice life that uh, I could only uh, ever dream about. But yeah, it's a, uh, it's nice awesome. place to play some golf and play for a million bucks. Not too shabby. Um, I, okay. We don't have to spend too much time on this because we rail against it. Um, like 
18 out of 36 weeks a year, but there's no PGA Tour live for this event. So we are literally getting, I think, four okay. hours of coverage. Uh, let me confirm that. Yeah, six 3 p.m. Yeah. yeah, okay. So 6 to Third. nine, six to 10 Eastern. Eastern p.m. Eastern time on the Golf Channel. That's it. Which I guess in this event, a lot of them are going out at the same time. But like, when will it be? I want you to set a line. Like, when will we get a significant change in coverage? I don't know. Whenever that next TV deal is up, maybe even yeah, the TV right. deal after that one. Because like, even for this tournament, not that many guys. Forty-two players. Coverage starts at what did it say? Six. The last group tees off at five thirty. Why am I missing? Even two holes of uh, who has a JT and DJ. Like, why am I? Give me the entire round. I don't want to see 16 of 18. Maybe JT makes a double on the first hole. Like, tell me why. It just is what it is. I know the radio starts um, at 4 p.m. Eastern. So I will be tuning into that uh, to get my early fix. So PGA right. Tour Live Radio or whatever you want to call it is is on. But yeah, it's, it's frustrating. Um, one thing I actually noticed is the uh, the PGA Tour on their Twitter feed now has the schedule as their banner photo. So if you're ever wondering, oh, really? and I think it's new, uh, if you're ever wondering where you can oh. watch it or when you can watch it, it's going nice. to be on the Twitter feed there at the top. You're right. So, okay, so they've got uh, broken down by day, the 7th to the 9th, and then it's a little different, ends a little bit earlier on Sunday, then you can watch on NBC. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. It's a little uh, all over the place. Like, when you look at it, it's kind of confusing, but NBC yeah. has it for, like, two hours, and then it goes to Golf Channel. It's kind of backwards that way, but... Yeah, it doesn't make much sense here. Yeah, I usually just go to the leaderboard. I open up the app, go to the leaderboard or whatever. That's where I find the the tee times, but it's a little bit wonky. Um, while we have, I'm, I'm trying to pull up the, I wanted to see the ownership now that we went live on some of these guys. So I'm going to try to pull this up right here and see what's going on. But I saw that, ooh, Bryson DeChambeau, 17%, Ryan Palmer, 27% owned. I think that I might have a little fault in that. Is this in like the big one? Uh, this is in, yeah, there's like the 200 K to first DJ. Were you, you were leading the charge on the Ryan Palmer love, weren't you? Yeah. Unfortunately that's going to bite me. Yeah. Answer 22%. That's pretty interesting. I want to find more cow. When did you start doing uh, ownership? Have you always done ownership on your cheat sheets? Uh, yeah, yes, but I don't create them. That's the uh, one thing on the site that, um, I don't create. So I aggregate them from three sources. I've been grading them and back to, I, I'm so bad at, it. I just, I just found I'm so bad at it. Eric. And I was just like, you know what? I can't even, it's not worth it. Other people are doing it better. I aggregate them. I grade them. I pass along the best ones. So yeah, I've always had them. They're just not technically mine. I've been very transparent about that. Yeah, no, I, I truthfully, it was like one of the first weeks I looked at them. I thought it was new, but, um, definitely made some de decisions for me this week. Uh, yeah. I'm yeah, excited they, to get going. I can't believe I got to wait another three hours before the TV's on, though. Yeah, they come across a little bit like Tuesday night or Wednesday morning is when I usually have them ready. So then they'll get added to the cheat sheet after that. Um, all right, let's see what else is going on in the world of golf. I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at your your quick nine. I'm scrolling through some of the stuff. What else is happening this week? Anything? I mean, if you want to get into a quick, uh, did you by any chance read Brandel Chambly's latest article about how to uh, rein in distance? I don't know if I no, but if you would have asked, like, if you would have asked, have I read Brandel Chambly's anything? The answer would have been no. So yeah, that's let's fair. talk about it. So okay, so he wrote an article I about I, I read it, and in typical like Chambly fashion, this will probably be in the newsletter on Monday. Maybe me going off on him a bit, but. 
He fills it with a ton of numbers, um, confusing numbers, maybe numbers that don't even correlate. Andy Johnson from the fried egg retweeted it and said, because he was comparing scoring average and driving distance from 1980 and I think it was 2020. Okay. So scoring average has gone down like 2%, but driving distance has gone up like 15%. These are just ballpark numbers. So okay. he's saying pretty much saying they're hitting it so much further, but the change in score is really not that much dra- like different. Okay. But so Brandel lays out that argument, but he makes no reference of the uh, change in length of the courses they're playing. Oh, okay. So courses are also getting longer. Yeah. Like I, I, I should have looked up like the length of Augusta in 1980, but I'm guessing yeah. it's, I don't know, 500 yards, and, 600 and, yards. And whatever it is, that's probably even a bad example because they've tried to like keep it you know, they've added a couple extra tee boxes and stuff, but there are, there are other courses that have been extended much longer than Augusta Nashville has since 1980. Exactly. Yeah. So he makes that argument without even talking about the, the length of, you know, the distance these courses have, have to be extended to try to contain them. And then basically his final argument is grow the rough, grow the fairways, grow the green speeds, basically slow everything down. And he doesn't oh. mention carry distance once. So, uh, that just kind of got me triggered a little bit because, uh, it's something, I mean, I don't know. Again, I don't know if we've really talked about it. Do you see like the distance boom? Because his his article came out because the USGA and RNA are releasing their distance report, I guess, in March that was postponed because of the pandemic. And now they're going to come out and kind of have their final say whether or not the ball needs to come back or drivers need to be changed or whatever their you know findings are from the increase in distance. First off, uh, Brandel Chambly does not uh, come across to me as like team big data. So I'm, I'm not sure I'd be, you know, he uses a lot of data though, but obviously only when it kind of helps argue, make his arm, argument. That's a good game to play. Uh, in terms of distance, I don't care. Like it's 2021. These guys are getting more efficient. They're getting more optimal. Do it. I don't care. I understand that it is a tricky situation when, courses it's hard for courses to adjust as quickly as players adjust and and in a in a world where golf course maintenance is already so expensive courses are going to get lapped right that's that's going to be the problem here courses are going to get lapped and i understand it from a distance standpoint but the argument that distance is really the only defense i think is very silly and and one dimensional. And we saw from, and I think the president's cup was a perfect example of this. Royal Melbourne was firm and fast. And we've seen this countless times on the PGA tour. If you make a course firm and fast, it kind of doesn't matter how long it is. That's one of the best defenses against professional golfers for a couple of reasons. Number one, if you miss the fairway and you can't get as much spin on your approach shot, it's more difficult on a firm and fast course. Uh, and then also it, it, it takes it away from being a launch monitor contest. And what I mean by that, Eric is these guys know exactly how far they hit every single club. Uh, you know, Dustin Johnson knows that if he takes this club and hits it this hard, it's going to go 152 and this one's going to go 153 and this one's going to go 154. Like he's got a swing for every single one of those. And if the greens are soft and receptive, they pick the number they want. They fly it the, the whole way there and it sits right down. When you introduce firm and fast conditions, you now add another dimension of, I need to land it here. I need to stop it here. If it goes a little bit too far, I could be in trouble. I think that is the defense 
that few people are talking about in the conversation that is uh, uh, always focused on distance. So you're, Brandel's basically saying slow everything down. And I agree with you. I would rather see everything sped up, keep the rough, maybe a bit shorter, keep the fairways really fast. And yeah, firm up the greens because like if you are like you said if you're in the rough and trying to land it on a firm green it's just something we never see on the pga tour that often because they want birdies they want low scores so that's why we get the soft conditions and that's uh you know it's almost a and and also i'm sorry it's just like you're you're right like there's also (laughs) no one wants to watch carnage every single week and I know it's fun a couple of times a year and people get all amped up about it when there's one guy under par at the U S open, but you know, 22 under par or whatever is kind of exciting watching these guys hit shots, watching them make birdies, watching them make Eagles. So you have a disconnect between what a lot of people think might be good for the game of golf and what people might think might be good for either viewership or excitement or whatever they don't. Those two things aren't always aligned. Yeah. And I, I just, I would argue in, t- in terms of viewership, I would rather watch a guy hit a five iron, hit a six iron into a par four, into a, you know, and try to hit it to 10 feet and watch someone from like a hundred yards, try and put a wedge to five feet. I just think the skill required to do, you know, the, from 200 yards to 15 feet or whatever, as opposed to just throwing darts with wedges, I would rather see the long iron game, you know, be more important, be more relevant, which is, I just think that's drifting away. Let me preface this by saying uh, I know very no- very little and close to nothing about golf course maintenance and grass and all that stuff. But uh, what I think is sometimes interesting is there's a couple of, tw- of, of courses on the PGA Tour where everyone ends up playing from the same spot. Uh, because it's basically out of necessity. So it's like RBC Heritage is a pretty good example of this. You can't necessarily cut the corners. Everyone kind of plays it to the same spot and then plays in from there. uh, um, AT&T, Pebble Beach, excuse me, uh, has, has a lot of similar landing areas for players. So what you end up getting is which is almost the most fair version of golf, right? Put everybody at 150 yards in. If one guy can hit a wedge and one guy has to hit a seven iron, that's that's the world we live in, but at least every, you know, not one guy's playing from the front of the green and another guy's playing from back. So I don't know if there's a way, I mean, let's start growing out. I used to see this in video video games all the time. So it must be true, Eric, where you just grow, like take at 330 yards, cut the fairway off, make it rough. I always thought, you know, I always, you could have like tapered fairways. I don't know why you wouldn't have, if you want to hit it 350, go for it, but you're going to have a 15 yard wide landing area. If yeah. you want to hit it 320, you're going to have a 30-yard landing area. If you can only hit it 290, you might have, you know, an 80-yard wide landing area. So you could have it. It would look it would look probably pretty crappy on TV to see like a triangle type fairway, but I think that's maybe that's like me really galaxy braining this, but I think if you you're pretty much saying if you think your distance is, you know, that much more um rewarding to hit at 350 360 and you want to play from the rough go for it whereas the brandon todds of the world they're just going to be hitting at 290 down the fairway and play everything from the fairway and there are courses that actually open up at 350 like there are courses that actually yeah, get that, like even at dog legs when you have to like cut a dog leg and then you get and then you reposition like the angle of the fairway you basically have like an 80 yard 90 yard wide landing area at 340 or at 350 which is just um you know it just plays right into the hands of the longer hitters and, um, yeah. and the, and again, without knowing anything about maintenance, um, 
it seems that tapering the fairways like that would be easier and less expensive than complete redesigns, adding new tee boxes, adding in bunkers in landing areas, because we see this all the time. We saw this at TPC Harding Park, right? You take a course a couple, you know, a month or two in advance, you start letting that grass grow in, you make it, make it a bit more narrow. It's not a muni anymore. That to me seems like a pretty decent option as long as the rough is a bit more penal and as long as these aren't, you know, super, um, super soft and receptive greens. Yeah, just back to like, you know, hitting at 360 is obviously an advantage, but at the US Open, everyone was missing fairways. So to be to to be 300 in the rough was just a massive disadvantage. But so right. it, like you got to give those guys a chance um, to find the fairway and give themselves a chance, you know, if they can only hit at 310. All right, I'm in full galaxy brain mode. How about tapering the rough? Sh- the rough can be shorter, closer to the T closer to the green it is it's longer, longer. <laughs> i don't mind that either I, Come it, it on. Just, there's a lot of ways i think yeah these might be a little galaxy brain i think <laughs> a little these are probably like the worst ideas ever but at least we're thinking about it i truthfully uh i'm looking at a tweet right now tony finau wants 280 cc club heads for drivers right now they're at 460 so almost half the size which i think would drastically uh increase the difficulty it is to just lash at a driver which is pretty much all we see now and finau probably he could he probably hits it right on the screws every time because his swings like he has like a half swing yeah he gets so much out of so little so he makes sense for some and i'm sure rory could probably hit it right on the screws dj could probably do it every time too so they they should be the ones who are leading the charge of maybe make the driver a club that's extremely hard to hit again not just something that guys go to when they're they're when they're nervous. I've used this before. Like Hao Tong Lee at the at the President's Cup was nervous. He admitted to being nervous. Uh, Ernie L said, "Don't hit driver on the first tee." He goes, "Well, I, it's the only club I feel comfortable pull, oh, yeah. pulling out of the bag." So he went with driver. He said, "It's the biggest face. It's the hardest to miss." Exactly. Or like that. Absurd. <laughs> um, and Bryson, like Bryson, swings as hard as he can. I'm sure he doesn't hit everything right on the on the center of the club face. So you put a 280 in him, he's got to have to. He can't swing it as hard as he typically would because he would just. Oh, he might miss the ball. Do you care if pros use different equipment than amateurs? We've probably talked about that. I, they already do. So yeah, I don't. I don't care at all. That's interesting. I need. I need a 460 cc driver. I need a 500 cc driver. I don't think it's great for the game to uh, i don't know i guess i go back and forth you're right they definitely don't use the same equipment but they but it looks similar and it's close enough i, I think it's i think but yeah it's, it's not good for sales of equipment yeah. you and can't, it's not you good can't promote, for you know rory's using the new sim 2 driver and you can right. go buy it at your you know golf galaxy right when you start putting cc restrictions on pros but not amateurs and there's it's a, i think it's a slippery slope I think I think this has to come from courses. I think I think course defense is is where it has to be. It just that's yeah, that's an expensive way to do it. I think, but uh, I would be it would be cool to see one tournament do like a tournament ball. Just this is what you have to play if you want to come play. That would be cool, actually. Yeah. Even if it's like even if it's not that rolled back, whatever it is, maybe it's five percent less fly, less carry. Just like this is what you have to use to play here. And it's probably going to have to be a big tournament to do that. You can't do that at the Sony Open or no one would show up. Yeah, right. You have to pay them a lot of money. You have to have a big sponsor. You have to have like, it has to be the Titleist Open. Here's a Pro V1 that flies 10% less. Everybody play that. And I mean, they'd get a hell of a lot of value because everybody would be talking about it. But that's what I think it's going to be a conversation that does 
carry on throughout the season because of that USGA report that's going to be coming out uh, within the next couple of months. I think March is when I saw it coming out. Um, we'll see well, what they do. we'll see what they do if anything. The, what, the, what is actually being implemented this week is the pace of play policy. We don't need to get into it. We'll see if they enforce it, but the one that was supposed to be put in play last year is now uh, that was again put on hold because of COVID. They are implementing it at uh, Kapalua this week. What's the big difference? What's the what's the so it's now like individual, like you, you don't get put on, you don't get like docked for a group being slow. You get, you specifically get put on the clock oh, okay. Got and it. like you get warnings, you like that you get, I don't know all the details, but I know there's a, there's a penalty for taking over two minutes. Um, like you get put on a list. So it, we'll see if, we'll see if they have do anything with it, but um, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. If they, this is all your fault. This is it your might be. golf channel. They threw up an article today and I, I clicked it just because it was like the Bryson rule. And the first video was there's Bryson pacing off a 70 yard approach. And then the next one from uh, from the fantasy golf pod, they they got the video of him taking like two minutes to read a 11 footer. So, yeah. Yeah, we, this Good is a, this is a conversation for another day where I I do not think the tour has a pace of play, play problem. General public, yeah, we, we went over this, but but this is all your fault, and I blame you for everything, Eric Patterson. It's good. Put a shot clock on him. Uh, he right. win every tournament if that was the case. Yeah, <laughs> as as if he doesn't win every tournament now. So, uh, I love it. We are off and running in 2021. Lots of good things to come. Eric Patterson, you can find his work on The Score. You can also find his email newsletter. It's called The Quick Nine. What's the best way to get it? Quick, is it follow you through Twitter or what's the direct? Uh, yeah, it's pinned on my uh, Twitter profile. I think if you just search like Eric Patterson Substack, it'll, it'll find it there. I had to, I already had to change the name. Unfortunately, I had a branding, a branding issue that, uh, that happens um, when you don't search enough. Didn't Google. your didn't your PR company uh, alert you of that before you went live? No, uh, my PR company, me, it's a one man operation over here. Yeah, we already got into some hot water, so good start with the with the newsletter. But I love it. We're uh, off and running now. I'll I'll also link it in the description so you can subscribe and get all this goodness every Monday and Wednesday. Follow Eric Patterson on EPAC Golf. Follow me at Rick Run Good. This has been three hundred yards unknown. Catch you next time.